0: I really wish that um, I could have preached and then we uh, sang those songs. Thanks, Joel, for leading and Kevin for picking out those songs. Uh, They're really great, and I felt like they just went with the message. So maybe retroactively you can uh, go through those songs again. I'm going to move this out of the way a little bit more. Um, All right, I'm trying to juggle a lot here. How many, I kind of wanted to ask this, just how many were here um, when I spoke, when I gave the little devotional, short devotional on Psalm 90, just who were here. I was going to ask, like, who wasn't here, but who was here. So, I don't, I mean, it's kind of like 50-50, so, uh, man, that's maybe, uh, so here's what happened. Um, Kevin asked me to speak on a Sunday evening, and yeah, he, he, he suggested maybe I could speak on Psalm 90 again because, you know, you only had a, a small amount of time. And I was like, uh, that's pretty much all I had prepared. And actually, I went back. I spoke for a lot longer than I should have. Um, but I started uh, studying a passage that was really meaningful to me, another passage that kind of devotionally really helped me in my life. And there were so many similarities to Psalm 90 I went back and studied Psalm 90 a little bit more. Um, So we're going to go back to Psalm 90, uh, and I'm going to try to bring in Philippians 1, which is the passage I thought I was going to do, as a little bit of application at the end. So uh, I guess I would apologize, but no, I'm not going to apologize. No apologies. Um, I thought it was a good uh, idea. Uh, Not only because Kevin suggested it, uh, but because it's the Bible. It's a really good chapter, uh, and it's a new day. And kind of in fitting with Psalm 90, teaching us the number of days. I counted, and it was 56 days ago that I spoke on on Psalm 90. And I don't know, I just thought that was kind of fitting. Um, So first, what we're going to do is since when I spoke on Psalm 90 before, I just did the devotional kind of application... We're actually going to spend the majority of time going into the historical context and the biblical theology of Psalm 90. So some people are really going to like that. And other people, maybe you like a more devotional type of message. Hopefully we'll get both of them here. Um, but again, this this actually not only applied to the songs we sang, but to the catechism that we spoke uh, as well today. So I don't know if you remember that just, just a moment ago. But the Bible, the whole Bible is speaking the message of the gospel. So all the verses of the Bible point to the gospel. That is, they point to Jesus. Some of them kind of in a more roundabout way. So we're kind of going to dig into that a little bit here in Psalm 90. Uh, and then we're going to take a little bit of time to look at how the apostle paul in philippians 1 I, I i don't think he was quoting psalm 90 but i think he had the the gospel of psalm 90 uh and he was applying it to his own life there um, and reading that really helped me especially um when i was younger grapple with this question why why am i alive why am i alive today specifically um, so hopefully that'll be uh encouragement to you guys as well let's go ahead and pray uh dear god I, I pray that you would use me and use your words um help me to speak your words and um help uh, us to to hear help our ears to be open and our, our hearts to be open help us to listen to you and to have your gospel impact us your words change us change us and i pray these things in our Savior's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, so Psalm 90. Uh, you know, another thing I will apologize for is I brought, uh, this is a Holman Christian Standard version of the Bible. So if it, verses sound a little weird when I read from this, I have most mostly ESV I'm going to read out of. Uh, But I do apologize for that. Uh, There are two specific reasons. One, there is actually a translation of one of the verses that I I want to refer to this to. And the other one, this is actually just a vintage together for the Gospel Bible. So now officially vintage. Just wanted to point that out. I also do really like this translation, personally. All right. Uh, So if you're in Psalm 90... Something we kind of breezed over. All this basically we breezed over last time. So it starts off a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, this is, at first you may read this and think that's interesting, and you're right. It's very interesting. This is the only psalm that is attributed to Moses. But before we go into. That maybe more specifically, like the interest level of that. Let's um, let's go through Psalm 90 from the perspective of Moses. Okay, so let's go back to Moses. You guys know this this person, this individual. We think of the life of the Moses. Uh, we'll think of the life of Moses. What do we think about? I was trying to judge whether this is like a uh, close enough home type of crowd that I could actually ask questions to and hear answers. Let's not go there, but just in your mind, I'll answer the questions. If I ask rhetorical questions, think about the life of Moses. What do you think about? I think most of us, for me, I think about, um, uh, the classic DreamWorks movie, Prince of Egypt. I just got to say it, uh, 1998, beautiful. Um, it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, and it's, I could go into the movie. It's a great movie. Um, but it's it's all the exciting bits of Moses' life, right? So we know the Sunday school material. That's what it is, right? The Nile, uh, getting raised by the Egyptians. He was supposed to die. He wasn't supposed to live. Literally, there was like a, um, it wasn't a genocide, but it was like population control happening. He was not supposed to live. And uh, then he was kind of raised a little bit by his mom, too. Uh, very interesting story. He uh, He thinks he's going to be the deliverer. Kills somebody it's not a great idea he goes to the wilderness ends up coming back because god said you will deliver my people and i will deliver them from slavery and it's really the yeah probably the single greatest event in the children of israel's lives right the exodus and the, that movie ends with uh moses i don't know if you guys remember this but it, the movie ends with the epic song you know the, Stephen Schwartz did a great job. Uh, He's coming down from the mountains with the Ten Commandments. And it's like, you know, deliver us. Uh, and then it goes black. And then begins probably the worst, like, the worst time of all, right? So think about this. And Pastor Ross has kind of gone over, over this in some of his sermons recently. It's not the, he. somebody thinks he, they hear the noise of war. It's not the noise of war. He comes down. And people are worshiping Baal, disobeying the Ten Commandments that he's coming down, down the mountain with. Um, and they're on basically the next 40 years, the rest of his life, just wandering in the wilderness, complaining. And asking God to sustain their life, give the, he, uh, which he does. But at the end of his life, he's able to finally see the promised land, but he cannot go in because he, of course, himself, too, is a sinner. Uh, so let's think about that. We don't know exactly when he wrote this song, but I think we can think about it in the context of his entire life. Uh, so think about it from him looking at the promised land from afar, having spent all these days in the wilderness. Um, I'll go ahead and get my ESV out so that you guys can follow along here. Um, and I hope I'm able to get through this. Oh, man. It's, this may be a two-parter. I don't know. Uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Another thing you know about Moses, and you may not have thought about this just thinking through his life, but what books did Moses write? Moses wrote the Pentateuch, right? So he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. He gave us the creation account, right? So this, uh, by God's Holy Spirit, he gave us uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, right? And here he's kind of going back there, right? Before the mountains were brought forth, you had formed the earth, before you'd form, formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Um, so if you go, we're, we're just going to kind of breeze through a lot of this here. But Genesis, uh, the first few verses, Genesis five, one five, I believe, is when the first day happens. So this is why this is important to Psalm 90, I think. Uh, Moses describes God actually creating light. And then there's darkness and light day and night. This is the first day. There was a first day. Which is it's crazy to think about. That's why he says from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Before the first day, there was, I mean, there was no days. There was everlasting on one side, right? And God is there. God is the I am. And then he goes ahead and creates time. He creates days. He creates nights. He creates the land. He creates the mountains. Uh, he also creates the stars, which uh, Moses doesn't go into in here, but for me it's, When Moses mentions in Genesis, God creating the stars, what does he say? He says they're for times and seasons, right? It's almost like, um, I I almost picture it as like a bedroom that he's creating for us with, with this wall, this beautiful wallpaper, but it's all kind of telling us we're trapped in time, right? There's days. We're not in, we're not from everlasting to everlasting. That's God. He's before time and after time ends. We are in this day to day life. Uh, let's keep going. Um, Moses also uh, writes about the fall in Genesis, right? So verse 3 in Psalm 90, you return man to dust. You say, return, O children of man. Uh, Moses also writes about the fall, right? He wrote, writes about that specific uh, curse that God sends to Adam, right? Because you were made from the dust of ground and you've sinned. You are cursed and you're going to return to dust. Uh, Moses also knows the history of all mankind. So let's just go ahead and, and keep reading here in Psalm 90. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. I mentioned before that watch in the night is about three to four hours. Um, but Moses, uh, he, I, I thought this was interesting He gives us all these generations, right? And the person that lived the longest, I don't know if you guys remember. Again, that's a rhetorical question. Just think in your mind if you remember. And if you did remember, you know you remembered. And bonus points for you. Methuselah, right? 969 years old. Almost a 1,000. Almost, not quite. And when Methuselah died, his life was gone. Just like that. A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or watch in the night. You sweep them away as like a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and renew, and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. For the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Now, Moses himself lived quite a bit longer than 80. But I think as you look at the the ages people were living, they were rapidly ramping down. And I think Moses just, again, under the Holy Spirit knew this is going to be the average days. And I, I, I briefly touched on that too uh, last time. The average age is th- about 30 for the world and about 33 for Americans. Uh, generally, you're going to live to 75 on average. Uh, but think about Moses writing this, just thinking this at the end, you know, looking at the promised land and knowing about all the sin that The children of Israel just could not measure up to god's holy law And he's seen every generation. That was god's promise Everyone who went through that miracle the exodus the greatest Work of god that's ever happened to the children of god Have died God saw to it that they would die because of our sin and that's exactly what he he says here in psalm 90 Our sins are in the light of your presence. They're before you and our life is toil and trouble and we soon fly away. Verse 11. <clears throat> there's two questions in this psalm surrounding kind of what I call the main verse, verse 12, that teach us to number our days that we make it a hard wisdom. That's kind of like the, the catchphrase verse before that verse. The first question, who considers the power of your anger or your wrath, according to the fear of you or the fear due to you, the fear, do your name. Um, And then the second question, how long, O Lord, in verse 13. Um, And then we have the five prayers, as I've mentioned before. Have pity on your servants, verse 13. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants And your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of our Lord our God be upon us. And establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So as he's seen the children of Israel finally step into the promised land. He has these prayers and they're very fitting, right? Uh, He's seen God sustain them day by day. Again, I love the picture of the manna especially. um, And uh, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, said, give us today our daily bread, right? The man is for today. We can't gather it up. God's sustaining us today. And then the next day, God sustains us today. And then the next day, God sustains us today. And Moses is praying that he would sustain them. And they, they will live in the promised land for as many years as we have been afflicted. 40 years in the wilderness. And before that, uh, 400 in Egypt. Let your work be shown to your servants. I, I think he's specifically thinking of the work in Exodus, right? The 10 plagues uh, and the, the work that God done, opening up the Red Sea, saving them from slavery uh, from generation to generation. So if you read the book of Deuteronomy, that's basically what Moses is doing, right? He's basically uh, taking these verses and putting them into the law, the second giving of the law. Uh, and he wants God to establish the work of the children of Israel's hands. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. Uh, Let's uh, ask the question, though, why is Moses' psalm, his song, put in Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalm 90? Uh, Do you guys know Moses did write some more songs? um, I'll I'll just look for, like, shaking of heads, yeah, because this is not a back and forth thing. This is just me talking uh, but he did write some more psalms so uh, exodus 15 specifically it says that he's saying there's another one in deuteronomy i think it's like 33 don't quote me on that but he had another one and the psalmist compiled it into the book of psalms okay does anybody know why that is i mean i don't know exactly but um the next portion of our sermon uh, is going to be about that, right? So Israel's perspective of this psalm. Uh, like I said before, it's the only psalm attributed to Moses. So we have a lot of psalms attributed to David and some to the sons of Korah, Asaph. Um, do you know how many times Moses appears in the psalms? Uh, let's see. Nine. Nine appears nine times. Uh, Now, just sort of think with me here, okay? Uh, Psalm 77. Psalm 90, verse 1. We just read that. Psalm 99, verse 6. uh, Psalm 103, verse 7. Psalm 105, verse 26. And Psalm 106, in verse 16, verse 23, and verse 32. Now, does that mean anything to you guys? It's pretty clustered. So I don't know if you guys kind of caught that. There's actually um, another reason I brought this. Uh, It has the uh, books of Psalm listed. does anybody know about the five books of Psalms? I'm I'm doing a raise my hand gesture now. So there is participation. Uh, There are five books, five categories. Uh, The first book, actually, all those are written by David. Uh, The second book, most of those are kind of written by David with some others mixed in. Uh the third book is a really big mix. Uh then we have four and five. All but one of the mentions of Moses are in book four. So book four is basically, you could say, kind of kicked off by Moses and he ends the the book too, because Psalm 106 is the end of book four. Now this seems like it might be significant. Um Hopefully you have a a Bible that has the books listed out so you can kind of go and and look through this. But book four, Psalm 90 through Psalm 106, um, picks up where book three ends, uh, which obviously I'm not good at math, but Psalm 89 is where that ends. Uh, And that psalm ends with the despair of the children of Israel being thrown into exile. So, the psalmist kind of put these books in a little bit of thematic order. Uh, you have David and the ascendancy of the throne, the king of Israel. And then you, you have his reign, but then you have the fall of Israel and Judah. Um, so, I, you know what? Psalm 89, let's go ahead and take a look at that here. There's a really sharp turn in Psalm 89. The last psalm in book book three, the previous book, uh, the really sharp turn happens in verse thirty eight. It's a very long psalm, but um, it talks about God's anointed, and then it says, "But you have spurned and rejected him. You have become enraged with your anointed. You have repudiated the covenant with your servant. You have completely dishonored his crown. You have broken down his walls, reduced his fortified cities." Um, this is somebody who's actually seen the destruction of Israel, destruction of Jerusalem, and this, this captivity that's now happening. This is not supposed to happen, right? This is Moses prayed for them to be established in the land, right? And they were supposed to, again, follow God's, God's law. Um, but, of course, human nature and sin has prevailed over us being able to obey the laws of God here. And so God... You've made all his enemies rejoice and you have turned back his sharp sword. You've not let him stand in battle. Uh, I'll just skip down to 46. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your anger keep burning like fire? Remember how short my life is. Have you created everyone for nothing? What man can live and never see death? Who can save himself from the power of Sheol? Lord, where are the former acts of your faithful love that you swore to David in your faithfulness? Remember, Lord, and ridicule your, against your servants in my heart. I carry abuse from all the people. How your enemies ridiculed the Lord. How they have ridiculed every step of your anointed. And then it ends with this prayer. May the Lord be praised forever. Amen and amen. And then we get to Psalm 90. Um, so I, I forgot to mention one thing or just kind of passed over something that happened. So I, I mentioned the end of the Prince of Egypt and him coming down with the tablets. Uh, so this happens in Exodus 32. Um, and do you know what Moses does when he goes down with the tablets? We're going we're gonna to use our Bibles and we're going to turn back again. Uh, Psalm 32 or Exodus, sorry, Exodus 32. Um, so the Lord said to Moses, verse nine, I have seen this people. They are indeed a stiff necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them, but I'll make you into a great nation. Uh, Verse 11, but Moses interceded with the Lord, his God, Lord, why does your anger burn against your people who brought you out of the land of Egypt? So he prays to god interceding for the people he kind of mediates for the people uh in fact uh we have again and if you go uh later on that chapter verse 30 the following day moses said to the people you've committed a grave sin now i will go up to the lord perhaps i will be able to atone for your sin so moses returned to to the lord and said oh these people have committed a grave sin they have made a god of gold for themselves now if you would only forgive their sin if not Please erase me from the book that you have written. Uh, So Moses here, I believe the person who compiled the Psalms is saying, look, we're going into exile again. We know we've sinned and we need a mediator. We need somebody to come in and to plead to God to say, God, you are from everlasting to everlasting. And we just perish just like the grass at the end of a, a hot day. Um, let's actually skip ahead. Uh, I was kind of going to go over all of Psalm 90 from the perspective of Israel, but let's just kind of skip ahead. Um, there's another interesting tie in with the thousand years thing, because from uh, Moses to the captivity of Judah is just over 900 years again. So um, there's some interesting things there. Um, Teach us to number our days. Let's go ahead and just go to the end of the book four of Psalms. So I remember I said Moses is, is mentioned a few different times in Psalm 106. Let's go ahead and, and see the kind of end of the story here, end of this this passage, this book. Um, this is, it's really good. It's long. Uh, so I won't read it all. Um, but if you start, we have praise to God and verse four, remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people, come to me with your salvation, your chosen ones, rejoice in the joy of the nation. Um, and then it kind of recounts again, the Exodus. So you see the red sea there, you see salvation, uh, verse 16, uh, Moses and Aaron, um, the, the, the calf at Horeb is verse 19. Uh, I want to get to verse 23, I believe. Uh, So they forgot their, I'll back up a little bit. Verse 21, they forgot their savior and who did the great things in Egypt, the wonderful works in the land of Ham, awe-inspiring acts at the Red Sea. So he said, he would have destroyed them if Moses, his chosen one, had not stood before him in the breach to turn his wrath away from destroying them. Um, So that's kind of the key verse to kind of tie tie up this arrow again, this arrow that's pointing to Jesus, right? Um, So our, our final, uh, let me just kind of summarize it this way. Um, This Psalm 90, the, the way it's placed in the Psalms as a whole is a plea for God to restore his chosen people to the promised land and put a descendant of David back on the throne to rule and restore the kingdom they had longed for. Dwelling again with God forever, or at least for as many days as they have been afflicted. And that's what Psalm book four is about. Uh, Now, um, we're going to go read Psalm 90. But instead of from Moses' perspective or the Israelites' perspective, I want us to read it from Jesus' perspective. Okay? And uh, when I did this, I kind of... um, i feel like this was maybe the whole reason that i wanted to i I decided to do psalm 90 again because this is just really great um again seeing how the bible points to jesus uh look at it from jesus's perspective Uh, psalm 90 verse 1 lord you have been our dwelling place in all generation before the mountains were brought forth or ever you have formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are god so Jesus was before creation. When he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, that's Jesus. Jesus was from everlasting to everlasting. He is the great I am. Uh, John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Colossians 1, 15, For by him all things were created. And then Philippians 2, 7. But he emptied himself... Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is this is really crazy, and we're not at Christmas yet. I've been thinking about Christmas uh, a bit, um, but this is this is astonishing, right? So Jesus, the everlasting, everlasting, chooses to come into you, return man to dust, saying, "Return, children of man," and you sweep them away. As with a flood, they're like a dream, like grass is renewed in the morning. It flourishes and then it fades. So Jesus chooses to become like that. He chooses flesh and blood to be able to die, to be able to be swept swept away. Uh, I already read the Jesus, Jesus humbled himself. Um, Again, Philippians 2, 8, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. First uh, Peter two four he himself bore our sins um, for, uh, verse nine uh, actually go back up. Uh, we are brought to end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, verse eight, and our secret sins in the light of your presence. the The man who did not have any secret sins, Jesus Christ, decided to take. Our sins, the sins he could see, the sins that he has, the true light, the light of his presence could see all of these sins. And he took them on himself. And for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was Second Corinthians 5, Romans 5. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more being saved. By him, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 9, all our days pass away under your wrath. We we bring our years to an end like a sigh. Um and I actually think I probably shouldn't close that because I might need it again. Uh remember the questions I, I mentioned. So we have verse twelve, teach us to number our days. And Jesus knew exactly how many days he'd be alive. Um, but he also answers those questions at 11 and 13, right? Who considers the power of your anger and the wrath according to the fear due to your name? Jesus did that. And Jesus also knows how long before God turns and has pity on his servants. Um, I actually neglected to mention this, but if I go to Psalm 90 in and, and this, the Holman Christian um, and some people draw a correlation here, too. The words Moses uses in Exodus uh, 32 are actually very similar to these words. Turn, O Lord, and have pity on your servants. Uh, and for Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, that question of how long was right now. This is, this is the moment where all the sins are going to become on Jesus and God will forgive us who believe in Jesus and trust in his name, and we will be saved. Uh, and again, um, Jesus is exalted, so let's go on to those, those prayers, the five prayers at the end. Uh, just really quick, um, some more passages from the Bible. Isaiah 53, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be counted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Hebrews 12, this New Testament now, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil And let your work be shown to your servants the glorious power to the children uh, to their children Let the favor of our lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands establish the work of our hands again in hebrews Jesus, we see Jesus's work is once and for all, it is established, it is finished. But when Jesus had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down on the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Um... I'm going to make, go ahead and make a decision that uh, I was going to go to Paul's perspective and go to Philippians, but it's already 706. So yeah, this is going to be one of those, you know, crazy two-parter things, I guess. Not that I have to preach again. Um, but uh, just come to me and ask me afterwards how this has affected my life again. Um, but I think this, is, I thought this was amazing, kind of going back to the historical and biblical context of Psalm 90. Uh, so really, I should put this message, this was part one, and you heard part two 56 days ago, something like that. And then maybe, in, maybe there'll be a part three in the future, I don't know. Um, so let's praise God, praise Jesus for being the mediator, right? When we were, when we were wandering in the wilderness, in exile, slaves in the world, right? You see the parallels here? We needed a mediator, someone to come between. And Moses pictured that, but again, he wasn't perfect. He was not able to go to the promised land. David pictured that as being the king of Israel. But again, they disobeyed and they were exiled. They came back. We learned about in Sunday school this morning, uh, if you were in church history class. They even got got uh, exiled again after that, the Jews. And the temple was destroyed. But Jesus came. He died on the cross, the everlasting to everlasting, he actually came in human flesh and with the dust, the same flesh that we have, flesh and blood, and he died for us so that we can be saved forever. So when we, when we teach us to number our days, I think that has a lot of implications, but one of those as a believer in Christ is that we get to count forever in eternity because of Jesus and his work in Psalm 90, up Psalm 90 pointing to it. Let's go ahead and pray. And then I believe, I think the... The, um, it said, if there's time, we'll sing a song. So I'll go ahead and turn it over. Or dismiss us? Turn it over. I'll turn it over. I'll turn it over to Kevin. You're not, yeah, you're not off the hook that easy. But let's go ahead and pray.